0: Grateful section right now. I know that we did it at the start of the show, but stick no, it out. it's
1: against the rules. You can only be grateful once in the day. But, but I want to be grateful right now. It's just the rules. You can only be grateful. Okay, all right. We, oh yeah, no. I just
0: wanted to say that me and Shell just played some table tennis, and I absolutely smoked her. <laughs> <laughs> two two Oops, sets, two sets to one. Uh, just yeah. I, I shouldn't. No, actually, I shouldn't, actually. Uh, so she beat me in the first game. She yes. like she like yes. it was like five. Yes, one or something. She, did. she and then we we're like, okay, let's play to ten. And then the second game, I just, won like ten six. And then the third game, the last game we played to settle the score, I won, but it was like ten eight. It was like close as so.
1: Okay, you just but, need a little bit of warm up there.
0: Yeah, that's right. I, you know, I'm just getting my my muscles warmed up, just getting you know into the zone, and then got it done, fellas. So yeah, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call to congratulate me for my great uh, victory. And
1: uh, and producer shells about to. Okay, turn we'd my love mic to off. hear from our, we'd love to hear from our <laughs> listening audience. We always enjoy hearing from you. But let's not talk about Lawson this morning. <laughs> His head is already way too big. Okay, so we probably should move on to. We ready for text messages? Yeah, yeah. Let's do text messages. Let me see what we've got here. Da, 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 da. Let me see. The eye scanner for glaucoma. Soon, doctors will be seen for most medical complaints online and mm. phone only seems to be happening for at least unvaccinated people I know of a medical practice that have six doctors just for on the phone. Mm. And, the, and, and the final comment is better than nothing. I actually, my, so my GP that I go to mm-hmm. is, you know, ever since the beginning of COVID, they've been allowed to do over the phone consultations. Yes. Whereas before they were never allowed to do that. And to be honest, for a whole bunch of stuff, you know, if, if I want to have a face-to-face, I can go in and have a face-to-face. But for a whole bunch of stuff, it's just way more convenient. If I just need to get a prescription, I need to call the guy up and say, hey, I need a prescription for that you've given it to me like, you know, three or four times before. And he's just like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Or one time I just needed some medical advice because, you know, a hunter hospital had told me one thing and I didn't understand it. And normally I'd have to make an appointment and go on in there mm. and just called the guy up. It was the best. Just... You know, normally, not allowed to do that. So, there are some advantages to this. You like FaceTime him and you're like,
0: uh, like your hands just about falling off. And you're like, hey, is this broken? And like, yeah. You're yeah. Like,
1: yeah, maybe. Okay, so, but there's going to be a lot of stuff. There's going to, as, as uh, our texture has pointed out, there's going to be a lot of stuff that, mm. in the, more and more so in the future, we're going to be able to not have to go and see That's the doctor. right. We can do it over Zoom, we can do it over the phone, whatever it might be. And then they're going to
0: outsource doctor consultations. And then,
1: yeah. It will give you more access to specialists. Oh, it would. Mm. Mm. Anyway, attended murder of daughter. This is sick. Talk about Oof, family breakdown, yeah. real religious discrimination. This happens in many faiths. Very sad, but true. This this should not happen mm. anywhere at any time whatsoever at all. Well, it's like really This illegal. is not religion. This is the opposite of religion. Mm. This, this is what happens when Satan... Becomes gets control of a person. Mm. You can't go. You can't go blaming religion for that. Yikes. Anyway, the uh, Pew report. Um, who is at fault for this? You know, because of, we were talking in the in the in the Pew uh, research that was done in the United States, looking at people's attitudes towards God and some of the false doctrines that were going around that just make God look really terrible. Mm. And the the vast majority of people who believe this stuff. People who have never read the Bible teaches who teach the belief of their denomination instead of what the Bible teaches, Mm. just like the Jewish leaders in Jesus' time. Nothing has really changed. I just want to jump in there and say this, that um, this is a fault. This can be a fault of anyone in any denomination. Mm. We all need to be aware of it. Mm. The other factor that comes in is people growing up with something and then just assuming that what they grew up with it's true. It's true. Yep. So There's a massive thing in Christianity and in religion in general. Uh, so we've got another one here, live radio. You cannot get better on-the-spot interviews. Well done. God bless the witness. That one was from Freco. Yeah, about my friend Joy Yes, coming in, saying just, some words. Just, 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 just turned up and came in and we're like, hey, jump in front of the microphone. <laughs> Let's do an interview. And a few seconds later, we were on. Mm-hmm. It was great. Okay, so let's get into our Bible study, and our Bible study it begins with an interesting story. So I'm going to share with it share this story. So uh, there's this particular couple. They come from a developing country, uh, ministered for the Lord in that developing country for a very, very long time, and were eventually called to the what the headquarters of the Adventist Church, the headquarters is we call that the general conference mm. so that's the word we, we we call it so that's that's headquarters so they have been received a call to headquarters and they're going to go and and minister at headquarters but you know before that they had you know been fairly high up in administration and as a result of being fairly high up in administration, they were not unfamiliar to travel and 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 you know thirty four years previous to this particular appointment, they had landed in an airport and their luggage hadn't turned up Mm-hmm. Happens from time to time. I'm sure you've had it happen. I've certainly had it, yep. had it happen on occasions. It's one of those things that we kind of have to live with every now and then. So their luggage hadn't turned up and so they're immediately right there by the conveyor belt, down on their knees praying for their luggage. Mm. Thirty-four years later, they've been working for the general conference, like, you know, 34 years, whatever, and they have the same thing happen again. The immediate comment that the wife makes is when the luggage doesn't turn, it's like, oh, don't worry about it, the insurance will cover it. Mm. This there's a lesson here. There's a big lesson here. And we need to delve into this lesson. Because in that time period things had changed, hadn't they? You know, when you're in a developing country and that, that luggage that you have is pretty much all that you have, mm. then that's pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. But when you've been we're living in a wealthy country and you are rich and increased with goods and that luggage is a very small percentage of what you have, and you've and you can afford to have insurance when you travel. Mm. That's a very different scenario, isn't it? Mm. And it, it the, the important thing that illustrates here is this God wants to bless us. God wants to give us things. God is not against us having possessions. A vow of poverty does not make one righteous. That's right. Mm. Okay, so we we talk we speak against all the time. We, we, we Lawson and I are very vocal speaking against the prosperity gospel. It's a doctrine from Satan. Legit. Mm. But the opposite, you know, a vow of poverty is also a doctrine from Satan. <laughs> yeah. You know, both of these come from the same place. Mm. And this is what happens is the devil will always try and push us to one extreme or the other. There is no... There is no salvational merit in being poor,
0: unfortunately.
1: <laughs> yes, unfortunately. Yes, <laughs> a few of us have been to heaven three times over. Already. <laughs> okay, so there's no salvational merit in being mm. poor, and God doesn't want His people necessarily to be poor. That's right. Yeah, but what happens when we become wealthy? You know, when this for this particular couple, you know, it sort of hit them, it struck them when they stopped to think about it, and they're like, "When we were poor." What did we do? We didn't care. We just got down on our knees in front of the conveyor belt, in front of thousands of people, and prayed for our luggage. Mm. And we relied on God. Yeah. When we were wealthy, like, oh, who cares? We have insurance. Mm. The reliance on God had disappeared because of the wealth that had accumulated. Now, that's got to be a lesson for us. Because the reality is that, you know, Lawson and I joke about being poor, but the reality is we're wealthy. Yeah. You know, we're in the top 1% of the world. Yeah, so, that's right. You know. All right, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to read, start reading in verse 7. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And we're going to look at how this story plays out in today's Bible study. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Beginning in verse 7. Lawson, go for it. And it says, For the
0: Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. Okay,
1: so that sounds pretty good. Mm. I've got to admit that, you know, if I was receiving this promise, I would be pretty happy.
0: Don't say that this sounds like You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I was gonna say, don't say that this sounds like Tasmania.
1: Why not? Because, because Tasmania Anyone is- anyone who has read this in Tasmania knows that this is actually talking about Tasmania. No, this is a don't. description. This is a description <laughs> of Tasmania right here. It is the promised land for all of those of you who don't know. Anyone who hasn't been to Tasmania have you been to Tasmania? Yeah, I've been there. Then you know this then is Then I know about- that
0: this isn't true. It's Tasmania. <laughs>
1: All right. It is uh, the promised land, the land of Palestine. Um, It's interesting you go to Palestine today. You know, you read this and it's like, yeah, that's Tasmania. You go to Tasmania, it looks like this. Mm. You go to Palestine, it doesn't really. Yeah, it's just a desert, dude. Well, Well, some parts are desert and some parts are not. But what it does illustrate Mm. is just how much an area of land can be denuded Mm. of vegetation and topsoil and everything else when you inflict it with 4,000 years of almost constant warfare. Mm. It's the most fought over piece of real estate on the planet and it's just not as fertile as it used to be. Mm. All right. Uh, Let's continue on here because it just gets better. Keep going. Uh, It continues on
0: in verse 8 and it says, It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees,
1: pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where... I haven't seen any pomegranates growing in Tasmania. If there are any of our Tasmanian listeners that are growing pomegranates, I'd like to hear from you. I've seen all those other things. I've grown all those other things, I think, in Tasmania. Wheat... Barley, Barley, grapes, yes. yeah, yes. fig trees. Yes. Oh, We used to grow the best sultana grapes and the most amazing figs. Oh, just eat them straight off the vine, <laughs> off the tree. Off the tree. Or the vine in, in, in the grapes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It continues on in verse 9.
0: It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is as abundant in the hills.
1: Once again, you go there today. Not so much, yeah. You know, four thousand years of warfare, four thousand years of habitation have left their mark. Mm. There's not much, not as much of those kind of things left there. Mm. Ah, indeed. All right, where where did we get up to? It continues on in verse ten. It says, "When you have eaten your
0: fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the for the good land
1: He has given you." Okay, so here's the lesson right here. When God gives you good things. Don't forget God, and mm. how often do we see this happen? Mm. You know this really speaks to the cycle that we see you know where you get people who are at rock bottom and they give their lives to Jesus Christ and their lives are on a train wreck and God turns their lives around and because God has turned their lives around, their children are successful. Mm. and then their children are successful and, 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 and they become you know, successful citizens in society and they receive the blessings that come as a result of following God, and their children are successful as well. Mm. And because their children are successful, they become wealthy as well. Not just successful, but now they're wealthy. And wealth is starting to accumulate and they start to lose their connection with God. We see it happen over and over and over again. They become kind of slack about you know, their relationship with God and you know, church is not as important anymore and mm. God is not as important anymore and these things are not the highest priority that they used to be. And because they don't make God the first and foremost and greatest priority in their lives, then that becomes reflected in their children, and their children are mm. like, well, if God doesn't make, if, if our parents don't make God a priority, then why should we make God a priority? And they're the ones who wander out of the church, and uh, of course they're, you know, they've come from successful parents, and they're successful in life, and they do well, but then the downward slope begins, and over the next three or four generations, they work back down to the point that they originally came from. Mm. And you, how many, how many? wealthy people have you seen with really, really dysfunctional families and really dysfunctional kids and kids that get involved in drugs and destroy their lives and are in and out of rehab and turn their lives into an utter and total train wreck? We have seen this over and over and over and over again. It is a cycle that we see very, very sadly in the Christian church. And I'm so glad whenever I see families that have broken this cycle in their third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth generation Christians and they've maintained that Christianity all the way through because they've made God a priority in their lives. Mm. But this whole passage right here is a reminder to us to stop and think and ask ourselves the question, okay, are we wealthy? And if we are wealthy, what are the traps that we are facing? Because God highlights it right here in verse 10. He says, When you have eaten and are full, and you then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he mm. has given you. Do we stop to do that? In our world today, do we stop to bless God and to thank him for all of the blessings that he gives to us? Mm. At the moment, I'm uh, I'm teaching
0: the what we call like the beginner, the beginner class, you yep. know, at church. So we have what's called Sabbath school. We start off, you know, with our church service, and then afterwards, we get together and, and Bible study, small group Bible yeah, study, small group Bible study. And I'm I'm handling the one where it's like brand new people, many of whom like up until this point they've never like prayed before, they've never read the Bible before, and we've been doing a bit of a series. Um, that has kind of come about just because I've been interested in answering these questions of like, what gives God the right to tell us to do things? And so that was like one topic that we did. It's like, whoa, what gives God the right to, to tell us to do things? Um, but the last things, the, the last subject that we did uh, last week was what gives God the right to ask us to give him money, which is basically talking about tithe and offering and all these different things. Like, wh- why does God have the right to, to tell us what we should do with our money? Or our things. And ultimately, the conclusion that we came to as we studied through the Bible is that, well, God not only created and owns everything, but also we can make a strong case that God enables us, like God gives us the ability and skills to be able to earn money so that we... Uh, have provision that is made for, you know, because, because we can say, okay, right. Like God had created everything, but I own things. I worked for them. But you even find in the Bible, this idea where it's like, God enables you, gives you the ability to even earn. And so for these guys here, when they've come into utter blessing, like just like clear as it can be unequivocal blessing that they have received wholly and solely from God When God even goes so far to make the point that even if you worked for this, I enabled you to do so, like, man, we really have to stop and think, like, in our lives, in our for these guys here and then in our personal lives as well, it's like, really, the ability that I have to live and to eat and to work and to earn money and buy the things that I want comes from God. And it creates then a cycle in your life of like, okay, if all this comes from God, well, then how can I use it to be a blessing to him? And that's when you will find that you'll be so content with the things that you have and you'll be so content with the life that you're leading because you realize like, man, everything that I'm given by God, no matter if it's a lot or a little has ultimately enabled me to be a better servant of him. So, oh, it's just the best. Like that is really when you're living your best life. And it reminds me of a song too. There's no Bible verse for this. This is is like a scripture song. And then someone is like a, a scripture song and then someone like, added a, a bible verse in and it's like it's basically like um this last but it's on psalm 116 but then this last like added in part it says you know help me to repent lest i should forget to sing praise praise to thy name all their all my life and i'm like hey man like every time i hear that part because psalm 116 is like god deliver me from evil like help me like help me not to die like all these different things and it's like because yeah, david was uh you know he, he was he was in that situation from time to time. yeah he was like he's like freaking out he's like keep me safe from my enemies da 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 but then yeah help t- help me to repent lest I should forget to sing praise to thy name all, all my life like that is really the situation that we're in and for David that looked like God saved me from military conflict but yes. for us it looks like man we could have nothing and God would be fully if we had nothing God would still be good because he's created us in a world that we can live and survive and we can know him but the for the things that we do have oh man like it is just f- like 100% fully blessings from him to be used by him you know and it's oh, i i love i love talking about this topic by the way yeah that's amazing <laughs> yes indeed
1: No, that's great and um you know, the the whole concept of, you know, God giving us the ability to be able to do these things, you know, God could withhold it from us. And I think mm. to some extent, you know, some of us sort of sit back and we wonder, you know, why am I poor? You know? Mm. Well, maybe the reason is that if you are wealthy, then you wouldn't know God. Dude, a- amen. You know, I've got a friend who's disabled mm. and it's a really, really horrific disability. And... Uh, I've asked him about it many times. You know, he's been able to be a a, a very, very um, successful person Mm. despite his disability. But I've asked him a number of times, you know, where would you be without this this disability? And he's like, there's no way that I would be with God. Mm.
0: You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively
1: different. All right, so uh, text message says here, I haven't been to Tasmania, but everyone I know who has been has told me they absolutely love it.
0: Ah, Well, that's everyone except for me. That will be Um, my
1: next trip. (laughs) You could go to Delaware instead. (laughs) Hang out in empty warehouses. I'm sure there's tourist attractions in Delaware. I just don't know what they are. Anyway, (laughs) um, so there you go, Uh, the promised land. And I would say this, I'm I'm, I'm actually... um, Shell and I have airfares Mm -hmm. to Tasmania for Christmas. Mm -hmm. We don't know whether we're going or not, but we've bought airfares. Uh We've bought tickets. They're in the
0: ether. They exist.
1: They exist. Uh They are real things. But when you plan travel these days, you plan to spend the money. You don't necessarily plan to travel. Yeah, that's right. So We've spent the money. Hopefully, Uh we will travel. Mm -hmm. Just the nature of uh, the times in which we live. Dude, I'm trying to get down to Melbourne
0: for a week. And it's the same thing. It's like... Uh. Yeah, Lawson, if you go to Melbourne, you realise
1: you're not coming back, right? Well, maybe as that's what I it. want. As soon as you go across their border, they're going to slam it shut behind you. and It's like, ha! Throw this guy into... <laughs> In COVID
0: Victorian jail. Victorian prison. <laughs> oh, I couldn't imagine anything worse than having to stay away
1: from you, Lyle. Like <laughs> <laughs> okay, another text message says... This one's a little bit more serious. It says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich Ooh. man... Um that is a fact, but that is not what God wants. They should be ha- have been a blessing to the world, but mm-hmm. they chose selfishness. And while I was in Jerusalem, some people say this is a myth, but while I was in Jerusalem I asked their tour guide about this particular one, and he actually showed me what was called the eye of the needle. Um, he showed me an example of it, and it's a very small gate. It's about the size of the door that you would have on the front door of a house, mm-hmm. maybe a fraction bigger. And it's in the main city gate. And so you open that door and you can leave that open at night. It's very easy to defend. It's very easy to guard. You don't have to worry about, you know, a foreign army trying to rush it because it's a small spot. And it means that travelers who arrive at the city late at night can gain access to the city and can gain uh, security and safety within the city. And so you can actually get a camel through the eye of the needle because that's what that little gate is called. But to get a camel through the eye of the needle, you actually have to do two things. Number one, you have to unload him. Mm. And number two, you have to get him down on his knees and shuffle him through on his knees. Mm. So you want to get a rich man into heaven? Number one, you've got to unload him. Number two, you've got to get him on his knees. Okay, unload him? Does that mean like make him poor?
0: <laughs> I'm, just, I'm,
1: just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just putting it out there
0: it's a good illustration the Bible says lay off every sin and weight that so easily ensnares us
1: and if wealth is the weight that is so easily ensnaring you and it's leading you away from God I mean how many wealthy people do I know people who were once really devout and really want, loved the Lord and now that they've got money they're just far away from God mm. and that's a tragedy so it can be a trap, and we need to be aware of it, particularly for those of us who are wealthy, not to let that wealth uh, take us away from God. Let's get mm. into where are we up to? Verse eleven. Okay, so in verse ten, God says, Look, when you're enjoying all these things, give thanks mm. to me. Verse eleven. For oh, but That
0: is the time to be careful. Beware that you in your plenty, that you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today.
1: So this is a kind of weird thing, but we see it. We know it. We understand Mm. it. When people become wealthy, they often walk away from God. Mm. And when they walk away from God, they start breaking the commandments of God. But none of those commandments are bad. And Jesus described it to Paul like kicking against the pricks. Mm. So, you know, we could think of it as, you know, walking down the road, seeing a massive cactus and going, hey, you know what would be fun? I'm just going to go and body slam this cactus, beat it up and start kicking it. That is sending shivers down my spine, Lyle. That is... People have done this kind of thing just to
0: get YouTube likes. Oh, I've seen it. Where where they'll like jump off like a fence onto like a cactus. Just to get YouTube likes? Just to get YouTube likes. And it's just like, you're a moron. Oh, I saw a video of a dog who tried to play with a porcupine and just had its face with porcupine needles. So why is it? Yeah. Why? And apparently it wasn't the first time either. It was like multiple times you got like, Needled by a porcupine.
1: And the thing is why? I mean, okay, Mm. you're a dog. You look at the porcupine. The porcupine looks yummy. And cute and small. And I'm going to eat that and it's going to taste good in my belly. And apparently people who have eaten porcupine say it tastes really good. The Bible says don't eat that kind of stuff. (laughs) But despite that, people say that porcupine tastes good. So the dog sees the porcupine and it looks yummy. But what does the dog know? It's going to hurt. Mm. What do we do? We look at sin. The sin looks yummy. What do we know? We know it's going to hurt. Why do we do it? This is just this is just baffling. The Bible says that a dog returns to its vomit. Mm. Unfortunately, that's actually a real thing. <laughs> I have a dog. Anyway. We won't go there. <laughs> All right, let's continue on in verse twelve.
0: Uh in verse twelve, the Bible says. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at the time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes, with its scorpions, and where it is hot as dry hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you manna in the wilderness and a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good.
1: Okay, so you look at this particular passage right here, and you know, this is one of the reasons why God gives them a weekly Sabbath. He gives them yearly festivals like, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles, for instance, which is just old-fashioned camp meeting. Mm. He gives them things like Passover so that they would remember the Exodus. God gives them as many reminders as he can so that they can remember all of the good things that they have right now, to remember that they were slaves, mm. to remember that they have come out of slavery.
0: You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. No, but right now it is time for... Question of the day. All right, our question is essentially can Jesus be the begotten Son of God and God the Son at the same
1: time? Okay, so there are a number of passages that we could look at as we delve into this particular subject, but I'm going to start in John chapter 1. So, John chapter 1 and verse 1 actually answers the question, then we're going to look at some other sort of really interesting facts in relationship to Jesus as the begotten Son of God because the fact is, or the facts are, that Jesus was begotten three times. I want you to mm. think about that for a moment. Jesus was begotten three times. We're going to look at it. Okay, but in John chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. Who's that? That's Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Yep. And the Word was with God. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the Word was God. Okay, so the Bible says in the beginning there was the word, that's Jesus. He's with God and he is God. Mm. Uh, The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was not made. In him was life, original, unborrowed, underived. That's me adding that in there. Um, But in him was life and the life was the light of men. Okay, so when we go down through this, we find that in the beginning There was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Therefore, we have more than one member of the Godhead. Very, very clearly, the Bible makes that abundantly clear. Mm. You have the Word who was God, you have the Word who was with God. Therefore, there is at least one other being there that is also God. Now, if if we look at the rest of the Bible, we find that includes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so being begotten or not being begotten makes no difference to whether he is God or not. Mm. He never ceases to be God. Um, once he has been begotten, he was God before he was begotten. So let's talk about being begotten then and the three begottens of God. Of course, the first and most obvious one that we need to look at is the incarnation. And so if we go over to Colossians, and we'll go here to Colossians chapter 1, and uh, in, let me see here, verse 15, the Bible talking about Jesus says, who is the image of the invisible God, the first begotten of every creature. And so some people will read that particular verse right there and they say, okay, well, that simply means that Jesus, out of all of the uh, things that have been created, Jesus is the first one that was created. And that's because they use the word first in the context of chronology. But the Bible often uses the first outside of the, chrono- the context of chronology, as we do. Think about this one, Lawson. Uh, yeah. Who is who is the first lady of the United States? Uh, right now? Yes. Joe Biden's wife? Mrs. Biden. Mm-hmm. She's the first lady of the United States. Are you sure? Are you sure there was no ladies in America before her? Uh, <laughs> um. You know what? Yeah, there wasn't. She's, she was the first <laughs> All right, one. Alright, you're gonna stick by this. You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna hang your life at it. And I, that's and I right. find people who will hang their life on it right here and they'll say, that's it. Jesus was the first one who was ever, who was ever born. Mm. And they'll hang their life on it just in the same way as you're hanging your life on Mrs. Biden being the first woman that ever existed in the yep. United States. Uh-huh. Okay, the word first doesn't assume chronologically. Mm. Context is what gives you whether it's chronological or not. Mm. And the context of speaking about the First Lady of the United States shows that she is not first chronologically. She is first in preeminence because she is married to the President of the United States. Yes. Okay, so was Jesus born? Well, he became a person. Yes, he was born in the incarnation. Yep. Um, About 4 BC. Uh-huh. So Jesus was born, 4 BC, in the Incarnation. So Jesus was born. Was there anybody more important than Jesus who was ever born? Mm. No. No. He was the most important person who was ever born. Therefore, Jesus is first in preeminence. Mm. That's very clear. And we gain that from the context because in verse 17 it says, He is before all things. Mm. Now that can't be the case if he has a beginning. Because if Jesus has a beginning, if he is a recipient of life, then he cannot be before all things, because the Father is before him. Yes, so he has to be equal with the Father in existence for verse seventeen to be correct. So verse seventeen gives you your context as to which kind of first is being used. All right, so there's uh, one incarnation, one one, uh, begotten of Jesus, one place in which Jesus is begotten. He's begotten at the incarnation. Then we go to Revelation chapter four verse, sorry, Revelation chapter one verse four and five. It says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace and peace uh, from you, from him which was, is, and is to come. There's there's your first person. And from the seven spirits, that's the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ. So you've got him which was, is, and is to come. And the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ. That's Mm. your three persons of your Godhead right there. It goes on and says, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Okay, so was Jesus brought forth from the dead? Yes. Yes? Was he the first person resurrected from the dead? Yes. No. No. Uh, We could make a whole list. We've got Moses. We've got the Shinoite son. We've got the man who landed on Elisha's bones. We've got the widow of Nain's son. We've got Lazarus. We've got Jairus' daughter. All resurrected from the dead before Jesus was. Yes. So very clearly the Bible is not speaking about him being the first brought forth from the dead, the first begotten of the dead, chronologically yes by was anybody greater than Jesus ever resurrected no because he is
0: God-hmm
1: okay all right so there's our second one our third one is based on the principle that we spoke about I think yesterday where the promises of God are always so sure that they are counted as present reality so the Bible says that uh, Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the world in other words the plan of salvation was there before the foundations of the world but mm. we know that he was crucified in AD 31. The Bible says you accept Jesus Christ, you have eternal life, but we know that there is a resurrection, which means that there is also a death. Mm. Okay, but the promises of God are so sure they are present reality. So the question then comes up is, is, is really quite simple. Has there ever been a time when Jesus was not crucified? The answer based on the promises of God is no because Mm. the plan of salvation has always been there. So if there has never been a time when Jesus has not been crucified, then there has never been a time when Jesus has not been our redeemer, Mm. there has never been a time when he has not been our intercessor, and there has never been a time when he has not been incarnated. He has always been the incarnate Son of God Mm. for eternity. Simple as that. Equal in existence to the Father. So don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, because when you do so, you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be-